Travis Bader, and this is the Silvercore Podcast. Silvercore has been providing its members with the skills and knowledge necessary to be confident and proficient in the outdoors for over 20 years, and we make it easier for people to deepen their connection to the natural world. If you enjoy the positive and educational content we provide, please let others know by sharing, commenting, and following so that you can join in on everything that Silvercore stands for. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a member of the Silvercore Club and community, visit our website at silvercore.ca. Do you want to sleep better, relax, achieve more, be happier, take control? That's the goal of today's guest, who left the prestigious lifestyle of working at some of the UK's largest media production companies to forge a new path, along with co-founder Bear Grylls, to develop Metal, the first mobile app designed specifically for men's mental fitness. Welcome to the Silvercore Podcast, Neil Smith. Thank you, Travis. What a great intro. You know, <laughs> you did say, if you don't like it, you can just say start again. But no, let's go with that. We'll go with yeah. that one? Excellent. <laughs> I always, you know, I, I find that's the hardest part for me is doing that intro because yeah. if I don't do that right, then I set the tone wrong. And there's a part of me that feels I've done this for like 120 podcasts. Maybe it's time I should just start, uh-huh. just start talking and see where it goes. But uh-huh. uh, uh, yeah, you did look very serious. You look very serious <laughs> when you were delivering it. Well, you know, you got you to gotta make it look right. You know, when we're talk- yeah. talking before, you were saying that some of the happiest times in your life are times when you've been yeah. working with the co-founder of Metal, Bear Grylls, and you were telling sure. a few kind of fun stories that surrounded that. Uh, are those things that you'd want to share with the audience here? Of course. What sort of fun stories? I can't remember which ones they were. <laughs> I mean, well, you didn't delve too uh, deep into them, so I was hoping to get them from you here. Yeah, fine. I mean, well, look, you know, so... You know, metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, that is. So it's not metal kind of material. It's uh, metal as in, you know, M-E-T-T-L-E is the spelling. And it's a a person's ability to overcome or cope with difficulties, you know, spirit and resilience. And I guess that, you know, before I got into the the mental fitness app game, you know, as you say, I was a big TV producer in the UK. I I ran a couple of big production companies. One of the companies I ran, I... I met Bear for the first time. We started working together and we spent many, many years having great shows. And, and, you know, metal actually kind of sums up what his shows are about. You know, it's about a person's ability to cope and overcome with, uh, overcome difficulties, you know, spirit and resilience. Mm-hmm. So actually the name of our company now really kind of, you know, encapsulates what we were doing, you know. So, I mean, Bear is brilliant fun to work with because, you know, like, by the time I started working with Bear, I was probably a little bit too senior to go on every shoot, mm. you know. Um, but I did anyway, because they were the shoots that I wanted to be on. <laughs> and I'd always kind of say to, to the, you know, to, um, to the team, oh, look, it's an expensive show. There's a lot that can go wrong, true. You know, it's dangerous, also true. Um, you know, I really need to be on this shoot. And yeah, we just had a brilliant time filming together all over the world, you know. Uh, you know, Bear is a kind of consummate performer, but he's also somebody who really kind of lives this stuff, yeah? So mm. he kind of loves adventure. He can't really live without it. You know, he's so, you know, in, in his downtime, he, you'll find him jumping out of planes, you know, often way more dangerously, actually, than we're allowed <laughs> to do on TV. That much lower, di- lower kind of uh, distances from the ground, yeah. lower heights. 
Um, and um, yeah, so it was just brilliant fun to travel with him and his crew. He always kind of credits the crew as being the real heroes of the journey, you know, because they're the ones who kind of like, you know, have to do exactly the same as him, but with a camera or a sound, right. sound kit on the backs. And I 100% agree with that. It does create a great atmosphere and you've got a great crew kind of flying around the world, just getting up to hijinks, you know, jumping out of airplanes into volcanic lakes, whatever it might be, you know, sleeping in the jungle, uh, you know, eat, eating crazy stuff, you know, <laughs> feeding you know, A-list celebrities, ants for breakfast or, or, you know, whatever it, wherever it could be, you know. So working with Bear was one of the highlights of my career for sure, you know, in TV. Uh, and it's great fun. I mean, you're an outdoors man yourself, mm. aren't you? So, you know, I'm based in London. Uh, our, our, our ability to kind of get out in the wild is more limited. Um, and so doing those shows, you know, it, it's great. However, I was, I was a... Uh, um, a Google presentation that we did recently that Bear did and somebody asked him oh you know what if you live in the city mm. you know how do you connect with nature you know he said mm, turn on the cold tap <laughs> get in the cold tap get in the shower turn on the cold tap yeah you know there's nature for you right there you know cold having a cold shower you know that's kind of one of the ways that you can kind of look after your mental fitness you know, that's a great way to reconnect with nature. I don't know, how, how, how often are you out in the wild? Travel? You know, I always say not often enough, not as often as I'd like, because yeah. personally, I'd like to be out there all the time. And I, you know, Silvercore is, Silvercore Outdoors, the company, not the Silvercore podcast, is designed specifically to help strengthen uh, people's connections with their natural environment. And I do that because it brings me a lot of comfort and joy being outside, there's a whole, there is a whole mental fitness aspect to that. Yeah. Sure. Some people, they just, they don't even want to be able to, they're afraid to go outside. They don't know what to do. Um, they don't want to go in the ocean because they're afraid of sharks. Well, we don't have sharks over here. They don't want to go in the woods because of bears. Well, we have bears, but they're not, a, they're not a concern if we look at this statistically, right? Um, but if we can do a little bit just to uh, break down those barriers and to deepen that connection with people's natural environment, then, I mean, that, that speaks to me and my soul. I like to create things. I like to be outside. How can I marry the two of those together? And this is where I'm at so far in, in my endeavor and in my journey going through is with Silvercore Outdoors and, and the podcast. And hopefully people listening to this, it'll inspire yeah. them to say, man, like, what is this metal app that I could check out? Or like one of our past guests recently, Alistair Humphreys, he's one of your uh, countrymen and he's... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and he was talking about micro adventures and how, he, like, if you're in a built up area, how can you get out and actually have an adventure and maybe get portions of what you get on some major epic adventure as well. So that's uh, that's what I'm looking to do with the podcast. If there's some positivity I can share and bring value to the audience mm -hmm. and the guest, I've done my job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I met Bear uh, a few years ago at Shot Show. Uh, Shot Show is a shooting, hunting, outdoor trade show in uh, in Vegas, and oh, wow. you know I've uh, yeah, watched his shows for for years. And the one thing that yeah. always struck me is that underlying positivity. Like he'll That's right. he'll have his detractors. He'll have people come out and say, "Oh, he stayed in a hotel sometime," or uh, mm -hmm. and who knows, maybe that was part of part of you guys and your production team putting them up, or. 
It wasn't. I can just say categorically that he never stayed in a hotel when we filmed him as if he'd stayed overnight on any of our productions. Well, so, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know. He, yeah, no. You know, if, if he was sleeping out, he was sleeping out. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, the, there were. Uh, and I'd watched these people. And I won't get into the specifics because people can Google and then get there themselves. But yeah, yeah, yeah. what really impressed me was the response. And the response always was, uh, yeah, so-and-so probably is a better uh, bushcraft person than myself. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm just trying to do ABC and bring some positivity. Or, yeah. you know what, this person over here, they've got a great thing. I'd, I'd give it to them. And he's always quick to give away that credit Absolutely. to somebody else. And that ego 100%. seems to be low. I mean, everyone's going to have an ego, but the, yeah. the management of that ego and the, uh, the underlying goal of what... It seems like he's trying to do, which is a spread positivity and to bring people up, shines through. Yeah. So, it's to, you know, he, he wants people to find their own adventures. You know, uh, you're right. He, as I said earlier, you know, he always says, oh, it's not me who's doing it. I'm not the real hero. Look at the crew. Mm -hmm. That guy's got to do the same as me, but with a, with a you know, 15 kilo camera right. kit on his, right. on his shoulder. Yeah. It, it, and still hang off everything. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, absolutely. He's kind of very humble uh, character. Um, but, you know, it's all about inspiring people. You know, Bear's mantra is never give up, mm. which I, I, I love. It's kind of like, okay, well, whatever you're going through, keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, so he is more about positivity, I'd say, than, than even the wild these days. Because, you know, it's just sort of, you know, he's, that's, that's kind of, you know, central to kind of what he's trying to get across, I think, you know, well, that, that positive. Attitude. I think that's how you affect change, right? I mean, you can go out there and you yeah. can personify a positive lifestyle. You can be in the outdoors lifestyle and you can do these crazy things, which some of it's going to be amped up a little bit for camera. Like, I don't know who's going to be out there drinking bear dung, yeah. right? But, um, uh, unless yeah. you absolutely course, yeah. need to, um, mm. but. But then you've put the land, at least you've learned how to do it. There you go. <laughs> and it gets people talking, right? And there's a virality to that. You know, in terms of stories, you know, that was one. I remember there's a big channel here called ITV. Mm. Yeah. So that's like, you know, our big, you know, what our big free to air channel is one of the top, well, the second, first or second biggest channel, you know. And I remember being told that I'd brought the channel to a new low <laughs> by the head of entertainment, there, which I was very pleased about. It's actually the second time I managed that, that I got that honor twice. But this was because we had like a big celebrity show. It's called Mission Survive. Mm. And they took celebrities out into the wild and, you know, they got eliminated. Yeah. So it's a kind of classic reality style format. It was really, really fun. And on one of these shows, you know, we'd already done the urine drinking, you know, as a kind of, <laughs> which was brilliant, you know, of course, you know. Uh, but, you know, we needed to step it up a level. So, you know, we got them to, to give themselves enemas. <laughs> I remember uh, that. <laughs> which, which, you know, our national, this is quite a conservative national channel, you know, was which was, you know, really, really something that we managed <laughs> to get away with that. And being told, oh, you've brought the channel to a new low, but in a congratulatory <laughs> way by the head of entertainment. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but, you know, I said, yeah, but actually, if you were stuck in the sea, you know, and like you didn't have any fresh water, then, you know, like an enema <laughs> is a great, great way to kind of purify some of that salt water and keep you alive. So it could, could keep you alive, that tip. So what we're providing is a really useful kind of, you know, uh, educational tool for the viewers. Well, 
I tell you this much, the idea of hydrating through an enema had never crossed my mind prior to that. But you know, if I ever find, <laughs> if I find myself in that situation, maybe it'll yeah. be one of those things that my mind can recall. Yeah. I mean, it is painful. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, salt water on those uh, very fine mucous membranes uh, is something that is kind of, you know, not to be taken lightly. I don't know whether you've ever been in a flotation tank. No, uh, no, I haven't done that. I, <laughs> the idea of a flotation tank to me sounds fantastic, but the idea that I don't know how many other people have been floating in this in this bath yeah, and, right. and doing Lord knows what that that doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, but you know, one of, one of the things you you often told to do is kind of you know grease around the anus before <laughs> getting in, and protect it from the salt water. I've never heard. So, I anyway. didn't know that. Okay, good to yeah. know. I don't know how we've got onto this subject so, so quickly, Travis. Well, I've got, but, uh, I've got ADHD, so I, I tend to uh, flow pretty easily. Oh, me too, me too. Do you really? Me too. I'm a big champion of neurodiverse uh, leaders and, uh, you, know, you know, not just, you know, I work with neurodiverse leaders, but, you know, neurodiversity in the workplace in, in general, you know, yeah. and in schools. I think, I think this is another subject, but it's one that's really close to my heart, you know, that yeah, my, my wife just started teaching a, a university on it there was a saying there was a kind of question saying do you suffer from a disability mm. and this is what this is tick the disability adhd kind mm -hmm. of dyspraxia and she's like those aren't disabilities you see i mean i would argue that adhd is a superpower in ways yes see? because you know for me obviously at school it was chaos because I was chaos. Yeah. But once I kind of came to running a big company and I had 15 things to do at once, no problem. Yeah, give me one thing to do. I struggle. <laughs> I, I can, I can relate to that. What was school like for you growing up? It was, yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. But fun. I mean, it was fun for me. Not so much fun for my teachers, I imagine. <laughs> you know, because I pathologically could not behave. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a bad kid, but because I had such severe ADHD, I got moved up years, down years, yeah. like excluded from classes, subjects, whole subject matters, you know, but, um, but, you know, my crowning glory at school, my big achievement in my, in my own opinion is we have these things called O-levels, which are exams you take, your first big set of exams that you take around 16. And uh, I was excluded from physics as a subject mm. because I was too disruptive. <laughs> And so I had, they said, you've got to teach yourself the rest of the course, you know, so I, so I did. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for the school, uh, I came top of the county. Wow. Uh, in and, and the first day or the first week of the next year of school, you know, they had to present me with an award. <laughs> <laughs> See, isn't that, becoming, isn't that funny? Coming top of the county in physics. And of course, the whole school knew that I hadn't been taught by them. And so it was kind of... <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like if a teacher could recognize and provide somebody like yourself with those tools to be able to get from point A to point B in a way that would work for you, yeah. man, the teacher would be wearing all the accolades, but instead it's you. Exactly. It's on you. Yeah. I remember. But, uh, but that's ADHD in action. Yeah. You know, you know I got, uh, I, I did not fit in with school, elementary school. Oh. I graduated not because of my grades. My teacher said, I she didn't want to see me back in grade seven again. She figured high school would sort me out. Uh, yeah. Grades aren't good enough, but I'm passing you anyways. Get into grade eight. I remember, well, I mean, just acting out and the, the common behavioral yeah. things you do. Um, yeah. And I remember, uh, we called him Chuck Morris. 
uh, Charles Morris was the teacher's name. And uh, I somehow was able to get under his skin so badly by just my disruptive behavior that he ran at me. And he was, uh, I'm, I was, I think, 6'4 by the time I was in grade 7. I'm 6'6", six, six, 250 wow. now. Actually, when yeah, I met yeah. Bear, he's like, he looks at me, he's like, they should call you Bear. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, he ran at me and grabbed my throat with both hands and just, uh, choking me out on the, uh, the table behind me. And this is a, um, a local private school that I was going to. And I was yeah. like, I got it. I won't do anything. I won't fight back. I'm going to pass the class. That was all that was going through my head as he's doing this. <laughs> yeah. My teachers used to be so violent. Yeah. I mean, you know, our teachers were, you know, they were terrible, you know, like, you know, hitting kids and with whatever they could find. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Nowadays, it's, that's all st in the UK, that's illegal now. Uh, so it became illegal while I was at school, but they, you know, that sort of stuff <laughs> that you've just described was completely normal behavior at one point. Yeah. So, uh, I think, I don't know how normal it was, but it was at least accepted to the point oh, that because it, it was, it was an all boys school accepted. and yeah, me too. Me yeah. Too. Yeah. So it's just accepted. Mine was a, well, you know, it was a, a public, you know, a free school. You yeah. didn't need to pay to go there, but, a, but it was um, selective and it was just for boys because, you know, I, I was quite academic actually. So I used to, that's how I used to get through things mm. because I was academically quite gifted, I guess, you yeah. know, I could, get into trouble and they wanted to keep me in because my grades were pretty good. <laughs> so I kept the, kept the average up. Well, I ended up... <laughs> but they were like, if you bring other people down too much, then then you're out. You know? Yeah, well, I, I kind of did both. It just depended on where... Like, I ended up graduating on the honor roll. Uh, but I remember I, I spent a couple years at each different high school because I kept getting moved around, not because we moved, but because of the ADHD... Mm -hmm. And, uh, the last high school I was at was rated worst in the province and, and, uh, and I hated it there, but I wanted to be on the beach or I wanted to be up the mountain snowboarding. And so I tell the yeah. teachers, can you tell me what's expected for the week? Can you tell me what's expected for the day? I'm going to go across the street to the university. I'll go in the library. I'll do my work. And I had the rest of the day to myself after about an hour to two hours of doing my own work end up graduating with honors. Teachers are like, we don't have this behavioral problem in our, in our school and he's getting good grades. Awesome. Yep. Yep. So, you know, as, as I look at your transition there, and maybe that makes a bit more sense if you're talking about the ADHD and, you know, impulsivity would be one of the things yep. that kind of goes with it. I'd say optimism as well. Um, yeah. I, I find more of a glass full than a glass empty person. And, and I always yeah. know I can achieve what I'm going to do, uh, whether the ends justify the means at the end of it, like all that effort I put in, it could have been a lot easier if I did something else, but you left some pretty high profile, well-paying gigs to yeah. go into the cra crazy entrepreneur. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, what was I thinking? Yeah. If I knew now what I, what I, you know, what, if I knew then what I know now, I'd never have done it. No, it's not true. No. It's not true. But yeah, I had a midlife crisis, I guess, you know, or uh, other people, you know, I heard of a theory called second mountain theory. Okay. Yeah. What is that? So se second mountain theory. So obviously we've created an app for men. Yeah. Because mm. of reasons that, you know, we should discuss why men need their own product to help with their mental health and fitness because you know they're they're, they're not catered for yeah mm. and there's a mental health crisis which would be good to kind of dig into a bit but um but yeah so you know uh, but there's this thing called 
second mountain theory, yeah, which is men tend to empire build, you know, they protect themselves, you know, so in our DNA, we want to protect, mm. yeah, so ourselves, our family, provide, yeah, that's in our DNA, yeah, so we protect and we provide and we build and we build our fortresses and our careers, mm. if you like, you know, which enable us to protect and provide. And you climb around, you think, right, I'm climbing this career, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm a man, I'm outcome focused, I've got to get to the top of the mountain, yeah, <laughs> so I run to the top of the mountain, yep. I get to the top of the mountain, and then you get to the top of the mountain and you realize, oh, I'm at the top of the mountain now. What next? And you see another mountain over there. And so I've got, that's the mountain mm. I've got to climb. It's like a mountain there. And basically it's kind of like, you know, there I was. So I was kind of like, you know, I got to the top of my profession. You know, I have pretty severe ADHD. As you probably can appreciate, Travis, more I got to the top of my profession more by luck than design. <laughs> Funny, the, <laughs> you know the I mean? harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of, but you know, I just yep. did what I liked, mm -hmm. yeah. And that was making TV shows, yeah, coming up with ideas, going out, filming them, directing them, whatever, you know. And then, you know, I got pretty good at that, started selling a few of them, uh, and, you know, ended up running first a company that made a lot of shows with Bear and various other things, and then um, a bigger company, um, which made, you know, some of the UK's biggest shows by far. Mm. Um, and yeah. It paid really well, and I had, um, you know, everything done for me. You know, I had a big staff and a big team. It was very comfortable, but I was really unhappy. I felt unfulfilled, and I thought, okay, well, I've got all these skills, um, you know, this ability to communicate, to take important ideas mm. and bring them to mass audiences, you know. I need to do that for good. I need to do something good in the world. I need to have, have a purpose, you know, beyond just making telly and earning money. And, you know, that TV was good TV, it entertained people. And the stuff that, the adventure stuff we did was great. And I did some stuff, you know, I did stuff around like homelessness where I took another survival guy, uh, Ed Stafford. Right, the 60 days. Ed. Yeah, that's right. And we did 60 days on the streets, <laughs> yep. yeah. So Ed normally, he does a show called Naked and Marooned, or he's, that's where he started. And then that became Marooned on Discovery. Now he does uh, First Man Out, I think it's called. Um... And he's, you know, very authentic survivalist. So I said to him, and I just made a show with him on, on Discovery. And I said, look, Ed, you are ex-military, ex adopted, um, male, and have suffered from mental health problems, which he's publicized. Mm -hmm. uh, all risk factors for ending up on the streets. There's a shocking homeless crisis going, out, going on in London. Why don't we just do your show, your 60 days and 60 nights on a desert island with nothing but a camera? Let's do it rather than on a desert island. We'll do it on the streets of the UK cities mm. over winter. And we do it over Christmas. And you have to spend Christmas out there. And you'd live homeless. And he just totally went for mm. it. Spent 60 days fully immersed surviving on the streets as a homeless person, yeah? And had all incredible adventures. And that brought a massive audience to um, homelessness because that was actually the channel's uh, highest new rating series for two years and, uh, and remained so wow. for another three I think, after we, after we did it, you know. Um, and it was about homelessness, which you think, oh, God, I don't want to be battered over the head with some worthy kind of subject. So, so I thought, okay, well, can I do that? Can I do what I do really well, which is taking important ideas that may be a bit off-putting to people, mm. um, but are important, you know, and I'm able to communicate them to big audiences and bring those audiences. Because I do what that for something that's really important to me, mm -hmm. you know, which in, in my case is, is mental fitness. 
what you know, so that that's that sort of led me to to leaving and I mean you know I've gone on the true founders odyssey of going from wealthy to skin <laughs> remortgaging the house yes you, you, you know like my life has changed completely you know as a result of a passion project a vision but it's something that I felt the world needed and I wanted to put into it what so. did that unhappiness look like and how long did it last for yeah. Okay, so the unhappiness, that's a really thats a really interesting question. So the unhappiness lasted about six months, I suppose, before I acted on it, mm. I think. About six months. And what it looked like, the thing that I remember is that, you know, I'm, I, I know that I'm not motivated. I'd love to have some more money now. But uh, <laughs> I wasn't particularly motivated by money then. Mm. Um, and... Um, you know, I found myself counting how much money I'd made every day mm. just to sort of give me the purpose for the day. And that's when I knew that this is this is just not right, just thinking how much money have I earned today? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's like, <clears throat> and you know, the people I worked with were great. The programs we were working with were great, but I just needed to strike out. You know, I needed, there was a, I, I, there was a bigger... I felt, you know, I just called to do something else, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, the second mountain yeah. theory, whatever it is, you know, I had to do something else. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I look at money as a motivator and it's something that I've always lived by, you know, I, I'm comfortable having nothing or next to nothing. Mm. That's how I grew yeah. up and yeah, me too. Right. A lot, lot of people like that. I have a little bit of something now because I've, I've built something, but if I lost that all tomorrow, okay, I know I've got the ability and talents to be able to rebuild it. But if I make money, my driving factor, I'm always going to be chasing the money. But if I make the project or the endeavor or whatever it is that I'm passionate about, my driving factor, I find that money will be a natural byproduct of my hard work and my efforts. And yeah. Sometimes the end doesn't justify the means from a financial basis, but from a uh, soul nourishing aspect, I'm doing what I love and the end absolutely justifies the means. And whenever I find myself, because maybe it's an ADHD thing, but I like to build something, I like to create something, but the maintenance of something over and over, come in, come out, is um, the routine of the monotony of that can be a difficult thing for me. So I, I keep looking at how I can yeah. keep growing. Um, I think that in it itself, always looking how you can grow, how you can grow, what you can do next, yeah. can be tiring. Are you like that? Yeah. So my one of my guy. So the so one of the things that I did at my last company was um, you know they, they we worked with kind of you know I was on like a global leaders kind of program and, and they get you to create a personal purpose. Yeah. Mm. My personal purpose, my dream, the thing that I wanted to do was inspire wonder, greatness, and joy. That was my kind of purpose. I like know, that. That's what I loved doing. So I loved inspiring, you know, wonder in, you know, the shows that we made so people can lose themselves in it and joy, you know, and greatness. I'd say, you know, in my team, you know, I love to nurture a team mm. uh, and, you know, empower them to, you know, grow. Mm -hmm. But my biggest kind of belief is, was that learning and growth are non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. So for me, learning and growth are non-negotiable, yeah? Without which I sort of die inside, I guess, a little mm -hmm. bit, you know? And um, so I think that was what was going on with me, you know? I just felt that I wasn't learning and growing, 
yeah. So now, oh, wow, I got what I wished for, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, as you say, you know, as a startup entrepreneur, I'm all learning and growing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else but learning and growing, mm -hmm. yeah? Um, so it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for. But, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, what are we here for, arguably, other than to learn and grow? You know, it's kind of like, it's, it seems to me like a real kind of guiding principle. And in fact, we've just been working on our values for our company and, and grow or growth or growing, I'm quite settled on it, but growth is, a, is one of our principles because we, have to, we, ha we all feel that we have to grow as people. And we need our company to grow, to survive as well. You, you know, know there's, there's an interesting dichotomy there as well, because for people who want to grow, who want to self-improve, um, it's, it's sort of like that old one with uh, Rockefeller and a reporter asked, I'm like, you've got so much money, like how much is enough? And he says, just yeah. $1 more. Same thing for these people who want to grow. Oh, just a bit more, just a bit more. And there's an argument to be made for how do we enjoy what we have now? How do we come back and say, um, I want to grow, but I'm going to take a break for a little bit and say, this is my enjoyment absolutely. time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so growth shouldn't be your right because growth, when it's happening all the time, is painful. Mm. Yeah. But nature teaches us that, doesn't it? Growing pains that kids mm -hmm. have, which is when they're growing too fast. Mm. Yeah. Like when you start started up a, a new business. Yes. You, that's, that's painful growth. Yeah. <clears throat> it's enjoyable. I'm loving it. Um, but you know, there's, there's not much balance at the moment. Do you see what I mean? And, and that balance is, is important. Yeah. So you want to grow and you want to learn and you want to enjoy, don't you? Yeah. That's the kind of, you know, ide ideally you want to, you want to grow a bit, learn a bit and then enjoy the things you've grown into and learn about, <laughs> well, I guess. Totally. And, and I guess that's the tough part with people who are like looking at self-betterment. Well, yeah, that's right. To, to, to what level? Like, in, yeah, that's interesting. In, am yeah. I comparing myself against other people, or am, am I comparing myself against what I was yesterday? And when am I better in these different areas? Yeah, absolutely. So that's interesting, yeah, because when we were looking at this product, so our product basically is a really simple toolkit for men because we saw that men were not being catered for. Mm. But, um, you know, in the UK and similar in the US, I'm not sure about Canada, but suicide is the biggest killer of men under 50 now, which is a shocking statistic. Mm -hmm. Something like 80% now of all suicides are male versus female. And then I've got all these tools like meditation, breath work, and self-hypnosis that I've been using for years. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that, you know, most of my mates weren't using them yet, so I talked to them about it and they kind of stare into their pints and want to know what time the football's on. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of like a taboo subject. And that's my expertise, yeah, like with the homeless thing, yeah? So it's kind of like taking taboo subjects and blowing them up, mm. making them acceptable. So for me, it's about making mental fitness, if you like, or growth or whatever you want to call it, you know, that betterment, accessible mm -hmm. yeah, to everyone. Because what some of the things that I had observed was there's a lot of information out there, but not much transformation. Yeah, so there's a lot of information for men. You know, so like, you know, whatever podcasts, you know, the Rogans or the Hoobermans mm -hmm. or, you know, 
great podcasts, you know, loads of information. But my wife was like, I remember my wife saying to me, who listened, listened to them, saying, oh, yeah, I've just heard this podcast. And this guy's saying that the key to healthy living is 17 different colors of vegetables every day or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but last week you had the podcast and he said that it was intermittent fasting. Right, 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 right. right. There's so much information, yeah, and there's not much transformation, yeah. Mm. So what I wanted to do is make, because for a lot of people that information is going to, as it is for me, it's going to be confusing and difficult to follow, mm. yeah. Because so much of it out there, and it's an industry, like an industry. Sure it is. You know, it's a, the manosphere of, or whatever you want to call it is is an industry that needs content to feed mm. it. And as a journalist, I understand that, you know. So it's not so much about the truth; it's about what's engaging and mm-hmm. what will sell, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it's going to get me bums on seats or list, list, ears on headphones sure. or whatever we call it these days. Um, you know, so it's kind of, um, you know, but but how do we just give people some tools that they can just use at their own pace and can transform them and they don't need to think too much about it, you know? And like a simple breath work, being able to control your breath according to when you want to sleep or you want some energy in the morning or you want... Um, uh, you know, you want to de-stress. Relax. Yeah. Yeah, just relax. Yeah. Those are really transformational tools that anybody can use. Yeah, they're really accessible. Yeah. So it's not about striving for kind of some unreachable goal of perfection. You know, mm-hmm. I'm no way in that camp. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't go to the gym. I try and keep fit, but I'm not kind of, you know, I'm like, not, you know, equally, I'm not very good at meditation, even though I've been doing it since I was like 11, 12 years old. Yeah. But I still get the benefits of it. Mm. And if we can just share those tools with people, then they can also benefit from them. So I think, you know, that's something, that thing about growth and, and comparing, you know, it does, we don't all need to be David Goggins, right. is what I think yes. I'm saying, you know. Uh, we just all need to be, we all benefit from being a bit better. Yeah, so having slightly better physical health or slightly better mental health or mental fitness. And, and you know, so it's just a progression that you go on a journey that you go on at your own pace, I think, you know, rather than saying, I've got to be here in six weeks. Well, you know? it's interesting, like, you know, you're talking about that second mountain. And uh, yeah. Alan Watts, he's, a lot of people mm-hmm. heard of him, philosopher. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, if you look at his life, he had a plethora of problems as well. I mean, he... But he had some good things that, um, uh, that he could share with people from his studies and his learnings, but he has this neat one. I think the after school S K O O L, they do the little scribble drawings and voiceovers of people. And, um, yeah. I always find those fun cause it's engaging for an ADHD brain, but he, it's got Alan Watts yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I, I'm familiar with them. Yeah, you, yeah. you got all of these, uh, promises. Oh, you pay, pay attention. You do your homework. You'll graduate. You'll get top of the class. Right. You go to high school, you get into a good university, you get a university, you get a good job and you fed all of these promises and it's up there. Keep going. Right. There's that mountain. You get to the peak. And when you get to the peak, you sit there and you say, is that it? Right. I've been fed this story this entire time. That's right. Is that it? And he says, you get there and you realize that the whole thing was a musical event. You're supposed to be singing and dancing along the way and engaging and part of the process. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that made me think of that Alan Watts, um, speech, but that second mountain thing, you've been vocal about the fact that I think it was in your twenties, uh, you suffered depression. Yeah. Was that for similar reasons? You weren't finding the um, uh, the purpose inspiring people? Or what did that 
What was that about? You know what? I don't actually know. Mm. Might be... And there's a reason I don't know. It's because I never, you know, I never got it properly treated by a doctor, I suppose. You know, so, you know, I never delved into that side of things mm. or by a talk therapist or whatever, you know. I never took medication for mm. it. So yeah. my experience with depression is it came along, yeah, mm-hmm. like when I was in my early 20s, I guess. You know, I think I was just finished university and I was still living near the university. My my doctor was the university, you know, the university medical practice. And, and, and you know, you know when you've got depression, like, in a bad way. You know, you know there's, there's all the signs, yeah? So I'm depressed, mm. yeah? So here I am. I don't know what's caused it, but, you know, because I was at the start of my life, you know, then. I was at the start of my mm-hmm. career. And I was able to progress my career along alongside having depression for a long time, you know, and I did really well. I, you know, I started as a journalist and then went into television and I was always, always successful. But, but I was kind of plagued with depression. Uh, and I went to see, um, you know, so you took all the current, like, like many or potentially most men, yeah? I didn't tell anybody about it apart from my girlfriend, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I think this is part of, you know, the, the thing that we're trying to tackle it's just this, that men, you know, there's a big message around mental health for men that men don't talk, yeah, and then need to talk, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I agree, that's a really, really important thing for men to do, to talk about their mental health and, and how they're feeling, yeah, because some men will very sadly take their problems to the grave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've sadly had an example of it recently where a friend of mine, one of his very good friends, took his own life, um, and you know, around the time that he was doing it, you know, like a few minutes before, he was texting everyone on WhatsApp or WhatsApping everybody and taking part in the banter, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Sending the memes and stuff. Yeah. So the, he took it that far; he can speak. And so there's a real imperative for men to speak about their mental health. Yeah. However, that doesn't telling men to speak doesn't change behaviour. Mm-hmm. Yeah very quickly, yeah, maybe over a long period of time, but, you know, we can, you know, it's difficult, you know. And so what we're trying to do with metal is give people tools that can help improve their mental health without them needing to talk to people. So that is kind of one of the things that are really key to the app, you know. So here are some tools that don't require you to talk about your mental health with anybody, because even though I'm sitting here talking about mental health with you, Mm. yeah, on a podcast, Mm. I still don't want to talk to my mates about how I'm feeling on a Friday night when I'm down the pub. Yeah. I, I just, I just, I think a, I just don't. a lot of people will listen to podcasts so they can have these conversations, at least listen to the conversation yeah. without having to That's have right. that difficult conversation. And yeah. you've seen, so go on. So, you know, just, to, just to go back to that kind of not being able to talk, just to go back to your, your question about depression, mm-hmm. you know, so I've experienced it for myself. I was unable to talk to anybody about it because I was depressed. Yeah. And so, Eventually, somehow, I got up the confidence um, to go to the doctors, um, as my colleague Lee yes. <laughs> uh, Um And, you know, it took all the strength I had to, to, make, to, to go and see a doctor and tell, tell them. And so, you know, all the, all the strength I had. And I went to see a doctor. And, and you know, I, I said, look, I think I've got depression. Mm. And he said, I'm just going to stop you there. 
uh, depression is over the road in occupational therapy. Mm. Yeah, so you just need to go over there and make an appointment with them. And of course, so I got up, completely destroyed, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I didn't go over the road and make an appointment. I went to the pub and I got drunk, mm -hmm. you know, and I continued ignoring, you know, what needed to be dealt with for the next best part of 10 years, to be honest. So that's kind of a, I think that's an example of, you know, men don't like talking. Let's try and improve. Let's try and get them better at it. But it will take time. And in the meantime, what else can we do to help them? Yeah, you know, give them some practical tools. Yeah, so that's, I guess, what we're trying to do here. But that's, I guess, how that depression fit into my life. And also, I ended up being cured of it through clinical hypnotism, which is one really? of the things that we have on the app. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You got a pretty famous hypnotist on the app there. Yeah, that's right. Paul McKenna, right. yeah, who's kind of the world's most famous hypnotist. And again, you know, he, you know, he, he kind of, you know, came on board. I said to him, look, Paul, you got this app. There's all this stuff out there, you know, which is generalist, but all the science shows because we're working with universities and charities, that men need their own specific, gender-specific interventions, mm. yeah, to, to see best outcomes, yeah? Men respond best to things that are just for men because they feel safe, yeah? Mm. So the reason men don't want to talk is because they feel vulnerable. Men, we're, taught, we're trained not to feel vulnerable because we're always strong, the provider, the hunter, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, that archetype can't be vulnerable, yeah? Mm. So why would we admit to somebody that, our mental health is in a poor place, yeah? So it's kind of like, you know, we need... So men need... So what we try to do with metal is make it a safe place. So it's just for men, yeah? So they feel there's, there's no judgment there. They can't say it's too... So the objections to using a lot of things that are on the market, some of the other apps that are on the market, which might contain similar things, might contain meditation and breathwork and hypnosis and stuff, is that, you know, the, the three objections that we found on interviewing a couple hundred men with two female, two hippie-ish, and there's nothing wrong with me. Mm. Yep. So two female makes men feel vulnerable, yeah? So it's just for men. It takes that one away. Two hippie-ish makes men feel vulnerable. I don't want to be associated with that stuff. Mm. Okay, well, we're completely straight talking in science back. takes that objection away. Third thing, third objection, there's nothing wrong with me. Men don't want to talk, admit that there's anything wrong with them. Well, we're not saying there is. That's why we have a mental fitness, not mental mm. health. And so we kind of reframed it that way and, you know i said to paul look we're doing this app there's nothing out there for men you know we want to change the world and give them just <laughs> great content that can change their state and paul has written books on you know how to beat anxiety and um you know how to be more successful uh change your life in seven days was a book that i read of uh, listened to of his which did change my life took me a little longer than seven mm -hmm. days but you know, <laughs> that's okay uh but you know kate Create, gave me incredible tools. And so can we tailor them for men? Can we kind of, you know, build them for men? And he's like, absolutely. And he came on board and that was just, you know, fabulous. Well, there's a bunch of things I'd like to unpack in what you're saying there. Uh, one thing, if I work my way backwards, I was talking with a friend of mine, he's ex-British Army sergeant, and uh, yeah. talking generally about the app and, and you and, and sort of what you're endeavoring to do. He says, uh, we as men have been conditioned to suppress our emotions, especially in the military. Yep. You can't pro process events and incidents if you are suppressing your emotions and feelings. And, you know, the, the other thing I'll read out here, because you have developed in that specific for men, and you talk about, you know, 80% male versus female. And I tried doing some research uh, 
on this and get actual numbers, and they don't keep really good records of uh, suicide and these percentages in a way that's um, that makes sense. Like for example, I, I don't see uh, chronic liver failure from uh, just. Uh, alcoholism being slotted into the suicide list or opiate crisis and fentanyl overdoses. But yeah. all of these things fit into mental health mm. and, yeah. uh, and, and the deaths that happen there. So, and, yeah. and you know, the 80% for men versus women, is that because uh, there's more men that are committing suicide or is that because men typically will choose a more final solution? Than, than women. Women typically will use pills, yeah. men will use firearms. I mean, statistically yeah. speaking. I mean, yeah, I mean, what I'd say is I'm not an expert. This is not my area of expertise, mm. so I don't want to kind of, you know, really say definitively, but some of the things we've heard are, A, men don't, you know, the thing that we discussed, men don't talk, they suppress their emotions, therefore they will bottle them up until they can't cope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. Women are much more likely to talk to their friends. You know, so like, just to, what I can do is give you examples from my own mm. life. So, you know, I go out with my best mate, one of the people I had in mind when building this app, because, you know, he's physically fit, mental health, could do with some improvement, <laughs> you know, but he needs to feel safe mm. to use it. Now he's using this app. But, um, but you know, I go out with him, have a night out, I come back, my wife says, oh, how are, how are, how are you know, how are his family? I'm like, oh. I don't know. I didn't know. Mm. Didn't ask. <laughs> right. They hadn't come up. We're guys. Didn't come up. How we attract. We watched the game. We had a few drinks. We had some banter. It's like, how could it? But you've just been with him. You know, like, <laughs> it's going to, she can't com compute. That's right. It just didn't come up. I didn't ask. I'm sorry. I forgot to ask about his wife and kids. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, we were out having a few drinks. <laughs> yeah. We had a really good night. And, you know, that's, but that's, that's quite typical. You know, so men and women are different. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, this science shows that they need different interventions and one of the big things and why certainly in the UK a lot of the charities are fo focused on that message that men need to talk because there's this thing mm -hmm. that that will lead them as I said I gave that example earlier that will sometimes lead them to take their own lives mm. because they can't talk yeah they'd rather do that than talk to somebody about their problem some people yeah so that's number one that we that we know and what we're trying to do is offer a bit you know we're not trying to deal with people at the end of that at that end of the scale mm. it's important to say you know we're trying to this is for everyone yeah to try and be a bit more mentally fit but you know it also hopefully or certainly the evidence shows that if you use the, the tools in this app then you're less likely to suffer from depression and anxiety than people who aren't yeah, yeah. so those are just those are just the, the knowns yeah the best. and that's first with controversial science or anything that's pretty standard yeah. knowledge yeah the best time for you to get physically fit isn't when you're three four hundred pounds that you're no. you're missing the boat on that one it's right now right now as you start That's you get right. out and yeah yeah yeah. so get mentally fit yeah and you, you're going to perform better in every area of your life mm. so just going back sorry i know this is slightly referring to something that you said earlier but it's kind of like men aren't allowed to express their emotions the one emotion they're allowed to express traditionally is That's anger. right the men are supposed to express everything. You know, that's the acceptable. It's both unacceptable and acceptable. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's unacceptable. Is um, you know, you got angry, or you know, as a man, he's got angry. It's like, but it's the like society. You know, societally, it's the only emotion that men are supposed to express is anger, yep. and that's why everything like, we're not supposed to cry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think you know, going to your um, your army uh, friends' point, I think that. So that's one thing. 
And I think the other thing, as you touched on, is perhaps men are more able. I think that's some of the evidence points towards that. Or, yeah, or final means. That's right. But, you know, as I say, we're trying not to focus on that side of mm. things, although that's clearly a problem. And, you know, it's sort of a it's sort of tricky balancing act, you know. As we say, you know, the problem is male, male mental health, but the solution is mental fitness, yeah? So if you're mentally fit, so, you know, if you're physically fit, you're less likely to get diseases, aren't you? You know, you're, kind totally. of less, or, you know, you're less likely to suffer, you know, from, you know, if you're physically fit, you're less likely to suffer from fatty liver disease, mm -hmm. for example, or heart disease, mm -hmm. or cancers, etc. Do you see what I mean? So it's kind of like, if you're mentally fit, of course, you're less likely to suffer from poor mental health conditions, you know. Well, I, we also have... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to read something here from the Mayo Clinic, and it says, uh, depression is one of the most important risk factors in suicide. Unfortunately, male depression is underdiagnosed because men are less likely to seek help and because men don't Absolutely. always develop standard symptoms, such as sadness, but instead are more likely to experience fatigue, irritability, sleep disturbances, and a loss of interest in work and hobbies. So I thought I'd read that out just, you know, because most people think about mental health or depression as, okay, I'm sad. Well, according to the Mayo Clinic, men tend to display it in that sort of a way. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen the Norfolk FC uh, ad for the... Uh, yes. Right. Powerful ad, ad. Powerful ad. And for, yes, right. for people who haven't seen that one, I'd say Google it. Basically, in a nutshell, it's these two individuals watching their favorite football team over and over again, and they're in the, in the bleachers, and there's one guy who's cheering and happy, and his buddy beside him is looking sullen and withdrawn, and each each game, same thing over and over again, and then the final game, the guy shows up who's sullen and withdrawn, and puts his buddy's jersey beside him because the guy who was happy and cheering was actually the guy who was suffering from the mental health problems. Yeah, absolutely. It's not always Masking. clear. No, it isn't. And we, you have to be careful around that. I mean, I was that person. You're, you you know, were so Richard I was, Corey. I was... Wait, who's Richard Corey? Sorry. Uh, Edwin Arlington Robinson wrote a poem called Richard Corey. Whenever Richard Corey went downtown, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a gentleman from soul to crown, clean favored and impurely slim. And he was always quietly arrayed and he was always human when he talked, but still he fluttered pulses when he said good morning and he glittered when he walked. And on we worked and waited for the light and cursed the bread. And Richard Corey, one calm summer's night, went home and put a bullet through his head. But the Richard Corys of the world are the ones wow. that you have to kind of look out for. And if yeah. you have the tools to be able to identify what these things look like, withdrawn, yeah, irritable, uh, lack of sleep, lack of interest in these yeah. things, maybe, maybe we should be taking that initiative and saying, hey, you should talk to somebody or do you want to talk? Or hey, there's this app yeah. called Metal that I've been using that's been, uh, yeah, yeah. I got a couple cool tools. Yeah, because you know, even if you know, even if the tools don't resonate with you and you're more and you need more specialist help, we at least have a help page telling you where to go. That, and you don't find that in other places. No, 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 it's not on other apps. So you know, we felt that was really strongly that was something that we wanted to include. But but you know, so yeah, I was the. By the way, I can see why you were an honors uh, student, Travis. That was an excellent recital. <laughs> Thank you very much. There you go. Um, but you know, but but just you know, I I was a great masker of depression so 
my, you know, my best mate who I talked about uh, earlier, you know, who was somebody I had in mind for the app, only found out that I had depression when he read about it a couple of months ago in a national newspaper. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what? I didn't know that. Yes. Part of the life when I was, you know, we were going out every day. These know, are the people life. closest to you. Yeah, it's exactly that advert. You know, I, I, I think in my head... Um, how often do you think about your hot water tank and it flooding in your house? Probably never, right? Most people probably never. I know a fellow and he goes around, he shows everybody this little alarm you can put underneath your hot water tank and when moisture hits it, an alarm goes off and it can notify you. Why is it on his mind? Why is he talking about these things? Because it's affected him personally. And so these are little things that I look out for when talking about people, things to keep coming up. It's, there's, there's a reason for it. And, um, maybe, maybe it's not as obvious as someone coming out and saying, Hey, I've got an alarm or I've got this, but if there is a common thread to the conversation, maybe, maybe there's something that should be dug into a little bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you? I mean, I, I, I can sympathize with him by the way, because I've had boiler problems that are really expensive. <laughs> have you heard of <laughs> the Australian sheds initiative? Yes. This is where I see metal yes. moving to. My personal, from, from an ADHD standpoint and loving to build and create things, I yeah, see it yeah. moving from a mobile app to a movement, sort of like rucking, so, right? Rucking, absolutely. they got communities and people get together and they put their pack on and they'll go and they'll get their exercise to be, to be able to facilitate a boots on the ground community of people who can, and, and for people who haven't heard of the Sheds Initiative, uh, yeah. In Australia, they found that men were not likely to go and sit down and talk about what's going on in their life with their mates. But you give them a project to work on. They build a shed and they've got different woodworking or they have a motor that uh, needs rebuilding on a lawnmower and they get a group of men working together, they'll talk. They've got a shared focus or working on something and they'll they'll talk about things that maybe they wouldn't normally open up or talk about. And so... That's exploded in Australia. I can see a similar thing being uh, driven by metal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being a movement is something we want, ultimately want to be. You know, we want to create a community. At the moment, we have to focus on the app. Of course. The app is expensive. You've got to recoup those costs. Come on. Exactly, you know. And that's a really good first start because it gets us into the pockets and, you know, the, the lives mm. Potentially of millions of men. What? Yeah, but ultimately, you know, metal, we want to be synonymous with male mental health, you know, mental fitness. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, well, that means the community, that means at events, that means kind of things happening in the real world to support men and help them be better. Like our whole our, our, our mission, our central mission is to help men be better because we believe if we have better men, then we have a better world. Yeah. Men are good at messing things up. Yeah. Like every, every, Woman has a man in their life and vice versa, yeah. So a lot of women really are in great support of this, you know. It's kind of like I think so. You know, like uh, only yesterday did I speak to somebody who'd approached me because his, his wife said, You've got to download this, get a grip on your anger issues. You know, <laughs> it's cool. he's heard about it on a podcast or whatever, yeah. and it's like, you know, now he's on it. And then I spoke to him, he's like, I love it. But it's kind of, um, yeah, have you building that community? Have you, um, read that study from Harvard, the longest study of its kind, 80 years. It followed different people from all different backgrounds to try and determine what brings happiness into their life. 
And well, if it, if it starts with the longest having ADHD, that's <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's where it, TLDR, you know that phrase TLDR, yeah. that is my yeah. too long didn't I use ELIF, ELIF, right? And it's explained like explain like I'm 5 and I type that yeah. I type that into AI. I've got an app on my phone called Poe or I'll use GPT or whatever, right? Elif, and I give the link, and it'll come through and give, like, I'm a five-year-old, to give the main points, and then I can dig deeper if I want to. Um, Great. But... Yeah, that's my... Yeah, that's that's how I have to work. <laughs> mm. They said, the number one predictor of happiness across all ages, genders, uh, backgrounds, was strong social connections. And... Yeah. I'm... I would think, I know you're step one, just out of the gates with metal... Man, if there's yeah. a way to get a boots on the ground movement of people getting together yeah. and be able to build those social connections, because building a social connection within an app is important, is important, but I think the actual physical connection that people can have is one of the things that people are dearly missing in today's society. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, and... You know, that's, you know, obviously we're talking about the flip side of that is that makes people happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Side of that is the people without social connection. That's one of the biggest risks um, of somebody taking their own lives is, is that they're missing that. So, you know, that it works all the way across the spectrum, social connection. And I wonder if it's one of these things where, you know, it seems overwhelming. It seems massive, but the reality of it is just these tiny little tweaks and there really isn't much to it. Like, I, I think there's a danger to going to talk therapy or going to, um, mm. uh, medication, getting medicated too quickly, uh, because people come in with this approach that there's gotta be something wrong with me. And maybe I feel like I'm down or I feel like I should be ABC. And maybe instead of saying, well, there's got to be something wrong with me, say how I'm feeling right now is absolutely natural given my current circumstances, given the fact that I don't have a goal or I'm not driven or I lack, uh, I'm not exercising, I'm not eating right, I'm not meditating or I'm not sleeping. Like these, how I'm feeling is a very natural byproduct. And uh, rather than looking at it like I have a problem, um, looking at it like here's some simple steps or solutions that I can take in order to get there. And I guess the fear is that you go to medication too quick and people get hooked on these things or the, the wrong ones. And it's really a throwing of the dice when you try and figure out what meds are going to work with somebody or you look at talk therapy and you got the wrong person. I mean, it's never going to click for you, but if you can have those strong social connections with your mates and it's like the old crocodile Dundee one, when he's, uh, talking, they're at a party and, and he says, that guy's a psychologist or a psychiatrist. What's that? And I forget his, uh, friend's name there. She says, well, you know, you go in, you pay him a bunch of money, you talk about your problems and he helps you out. You keep going there over and over and you get, you get some results. And she says, well, don't you have anything like that down under? He says, oh, we got the bartender. We tell him our problems. He tells everybody else, yeah. no more problem. Right. And maybe it's as simple as yeah, that so for, for not everything, so, but. Yeah. So that's a really, that's really interesting because obviously that was delivered as a joke, sure. but it has a huge amount of truth. in mm. it. So certainly in the UK, a movement that started in the UK is barbers. Mm -hmm. So it's like men will relax when they get their hair cut. 
Yeah, they, they just talk to their barbers. So a lot of barbers now are being trained in, you know, being able to spot kind of mental health things, but also, you know, commun- how to communicate with men and help them out and point them in the direction, right direction if they need it. Mm. Um, you know, black men especially uh, can often use the, the barbers as a community. Totally. Hub. A lot of people will be in there. And so we've been working with some guys who... who, who um, in that community who um you know are, are really making great strides because because you know in the black community uh uh mental health outcomes are even even worse for black men than, than white men in the in the uk mm-hmm. um and uh and they find it perhaps harder to talk mm-hmm. um because of cultural reasons and but the barbers is one of the safe spaces so you know, actually that telling the bartender or the barber mm-hmm. is becoming now a real place where um, people can make an impact on male mental health mm. because it's, it's accessible. I feel comfortable there. Yeah? I don't, I'm, I'm happy to let my guard down for a moment. You right. Know? It's a place to go ah, to relax. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to be judged. And if I'm laughed at, not it's going to be, be done in a way because they actually care about me. Right. And it's. Exactly. It's my peers. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, it doesn't cost me anything either. Yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> That's an important piece of the puzzle. I'm for the heck anyway. I'm paying for the heck anyway. I love that. Um, that's good. So you just launched it. You got it out of the gates. Um, yeah. Initial traction, like testing, I know. I was looking at some of the stats. I, it was through the roof. The uh, yep, yep, Instagram, yep. Facebook, seeing what the results yep. are back on that. Yep. Yep. Everyone knows or was likely aware that people keep talking about the next pandemic is going to be a pandemic of mental health. Right. And it's that we are in a mental health crisis, which maybe, yeah. maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the pandemic and maybe these things that have pushed people to a point of mental health is good from the, um, the path of least resistance principle or zips law. I think they call it. Have you heard of that one before? No, not zips law. So they say, um, I guess this guy did a, got his name associated with it, but essentially let's say you got to seek out a, an answer to a problem you have, and you can look in your building and there's a generalist who has acceptable answers, or you can go to the next building over and you can get the specialist who will give you the bang on answer. Well, it's easier just to talk to the generalist because I'm going to get the acceptable answer. That's the easy part. If you push it harder, right? If there's enough pain involved, you're going to seek out yeah. the actual solution. So maybe it's kind of like, well, um, I'm, I'm in a relationship and it's okay. I'm not happy, but I'm not bad. And you'll just carry this relationship out. But if it becomes violent or really bad, okay, you know, path of least resistance now is to leave this relationship and seek out something new. So maybe the pandemic and yeah. the media... Wow concentrating on all these negative things is actually pushing people to a point where they're like, mental health is important. We're going to have to yeah. move. Uh, you know, I think that's, there's a, there's a lot of truth in that, you know, like if you just take the last pandemic, mm. you know, it made people completely reevaluate their lives, didn't mm-hmm. it? And, uh, you know, certainly that's for me when I made my big change. I also kind of reevaluated my relationship with my family, as many people, as many men especially, did. I think mm. you know. So, huge amount of change was forced 
through a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and now my relationships certainly, you know, with my family are a lot closer. I would say, you know, because uh, and people were able to think, okay, well, how important is balance? You know, in the world, what are, what is important when a lot's taken away? Mm. You know, our freedom effectively was taken away from us. Yep. You know, our abilities. What, what's important? And what do I want to? When I go back, when the world goes back to normal, what bits am I just going to go back to normal, or are things going to be different now? Mm. And like, you know, things have changed. So, you know, it's not the norm that certainly in London that everybody goes to work in the office every day. Mm. You know, people might do a day or two from home or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's perfectly normal now. But it wasn't before the pandemic. You know, it just it, it wasn't. You know, Zoom. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. So when I, so as a TV producer, if I wanted to pitch a show to LA, and I lived in London, I have to fly to LA, mm. pitch it. As soon as as soon as uh, COVID happened, obviously that option wasn't available. Yeah, yeah. everybody moved to Zoom. And since COVID's over, everybody's stuck on that. Because it's like, well, why would I fly to LA to pitch a show? Just, just get on the Zoom, yeah. It's kind of like, so these things do force change, you know, and they're, they're hard. But, you know, it's kind of, there's been a lot of positive yes. change that's come through that. For sure. Well, how are you managing the stress of a startup as well as those boundaries of work time? Because I know doing startups myself, mm. it, I, I like to joke. You know, you know, I got my own business. I can take time off whenever I want, which is true. Yeah. You can, but oh, the reality yeah, yeah. is, you don't. The reality is no. that it's always on your mind, and you're working when you wake up, and yeah, working right. when you go to sleep, and you're talking with your spouse about work. And how do you manage that? Yeah. So, a couple of points there. You know, somebody told me a while ago. You know, some coach that I was working with about you know. You shouldn't really look at work-life balance, work balance anymore because that's just going out the window and it's going to go out the window, you know. Think about work-life integration, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, okay, well, yeah, I'm talking to my spouse about, you know, metal. I'm waking up and thinking about it. Mm. But I'm not necessarily in the office the whole time doing that. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? So I'm making sure that I spend plenty of time at home. We don't work long hours here, but we think about the products all the time. Not true when we're building the product. We often did have to work very long hours, but, <laughs> but you know, but and we still do mm. actually, but not always from the office, you know. And you know, I make sure you know our CTO just after we launched the product, he went to Mexico on holiday for two weeks, which is a really bad time. I remember I talked to you then when he was on yeah. holidays. Yeah, it's a really bad time for him to go, but he needed to go, and we wanted him to go, mm. yeah, because he needed that. Break, break. Obviously, the product broke, mm-hmm. you know, but not too badly while he was away. And, and, and you know, he came back and refreshed and ready to go. You know, I'm going away for a week on, you know, to, to, to do some surfing and some yoga and some meditation. Nice. Uh, in a couple of weeks because I need I need a break. And I think it's, you know, I, I say that if we can't, if we create a mental health app and then our mental health is destroyed by the process of building that app, then we've failed. Mm. You know, that's what it comes down to for me. Yeah. Lead by example. And also, do the tools work? So, you know, the acid test for me was, okay, now I'm in a really stressful situation, which is so I've launched a new business and it's stressful. Yeah. 
do, do the tools on metal work for me? And the answer is yes, they do. Because I partly built the app because I wanted something decent that works. I love that. <laughs> I, like. I love that. That's yeah. the best. And so, like, yeah. you know, yesterday, I, I, you know, I've got, I do the courses, I do the quick hits. Yesterday, I was feeling stressed. Yeah, and we've got like a little chatbot yep. thing. So, how you feeling? I pressed stretched. I said, why? Work is, work is full on. Mm. So, it served me up a couple of breath works from stress and anxiety. And I did them. I felt better. Um, so, you know, built a tool to help me. <laughs> Build the tool. I love it. I love <laughs> it. What What do you see yeah. in the future? Like, I mean, it's hard to look future when you're in the thick of a launch and, and getting things out there. Yeah. yeah but yeah. what do you see in the next foreseeable future and the distant future for Metal? Yeah. Well, so in in, in the very close future, we want to make the app better. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to. We, now we've got a user group. We want to listen to them and and feedback and make it more accessible easier to use hmm. usual things you know where you quite uk kind of focus we're available everywhere but a lot of our marketing budget has been spent in the uk hmm. so we need to kind of broaden out and you know so the whole world knows about us hmm. uh but ultimately it's what you said earlier we want to become a movement you know we want to become synonymous with men's fitness you know there's so much to take on there there's no voice there that you can name there's no brand you know mm. not an authentic brand mm. you know that stands that actually do something about men's mental fitness you know mm. and it's kind of like well that's what we need to step into so those are our plans but in the meantime yeah we've got to you know it's all, all you know it's all um all feet on deck is that the phrase i can't remember but, all hands you know, it's on all deck hands on yes deck. all hands on deck not feet yeah well, we could do both uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, hands and feet, all hands and feet yeah. are on deck, just trying to improve the app. Mm. Um, but yeah, certainly the long-term focus has got to be, you know, helping men be better because we believe that if they're better men, we've got a better world. And and that's that's what we're do, all doing it for. It's a passion project for everyone. That's another one of our values, passion, because we're all in it because we're completely passionate. None of us are doing it for money. Mm. You know, that's that's for sure. Um you know, it's quite funny how yeah, the people's perceptions of tech and, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it doesn't really work like that. Um, I mean, some hit. But, yeah. Everyone compares. Yeah, some hit. I mean, and if you hit, great. Yeah, I'd love I'd love it to hit. Of course I would. Yeah, I'd love to make lots of money off it. Of course. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. But that is not enough to motivate you to do something like no. this. All of us have taken huge pay cuts to do this. You know, uh, and we do it because we're passionate. We really believe there's something there. Mm. We really believe there's a gap in the market. We really believe there's a mission. And when we hear from, when we get feedback, you know, not all of the feedback's positive and that's what we're working mm-hmm. on. But most of it is positive. And people are saying, oh, I never thought I'd meditate until I tried Chibs, who's our meditation Yeah, coach. he's good, eh? He's, loving, he's so cool. And now I'm doing it every day. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, you know, we had a guy in Hawaii write to, her, write to us and he's kind of like, you know, I've just had open heart surgery. Mm. I'm recovering. I found metal. Mm-hmm. I'm using it every day. It's really helping, helping with my mental state, mm. you know, me getting better. We've had lots like that. You know, somebody in the military writing to us says, I want to get this out to all my, my soldiers. It's really helping me. And that's that's what you do it for, yeah? You know, a friend of mine just had his leg amputated a couple of days ago. And uh, mm. I'll be visiting him as soon as we wrap up here. But he started a uh, local movement of uh, mental health walks. And he does it every, every uh, second Sunday, going out and doing a mental health walk after an individual that we know uh, attempted to take his own life 
was unsuccessful, mm. ended up losing an eye and bullet in, um, went under his chin and out through his forehead here, um, and regrets the second he pulled the trigger, he says he regretted the decision. And I mean, the, the fellow is a PPCLI, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry sniper. He says, I know where the bullet's supposed to go. He says, but at the very last moment, he was intoxicated. It was uh, Christmas time. And um, very last moment before he pulled the trigger, he heard a booming voice. He says, change the angle. And he doesn't know what to attribute that to. He's found faith afterwards and says, I think that's what it was. But like, I know where the bullet's supposed to go. Ended up having to affect his own self-rescue, but that affects everybody around you. I mean, people look yeah. at this permanent solution to whatever their temporary pain is without realizing perhaps, or maybe in the moment not caring, that the pain that you have affects your entire family afterwards. Everybody has to carry that. Your friends end up carrying it. And so yeah. this individual, he went out and said, I'm going to make something positive of this. And he started these mental health walks that they do every, every Sunday. Of course, now he's going to have a little bit of a recovery time. Um, maybe I should uh, get him a subscription to metal while he's in the hospital. Ah. here uh, recovering to help with the, uh, the meditation. Well, you know, there's people are using it for that. It's, mm. it's good. And you know, as I say, that's what we're all about. You know, it's about, you know, for me, it was my, it was my personal journey. You know, I found these tools, you know, I started meditating at the age of 11 to, cope with a neurological illness that I had, you know, which, made, which I have, still have, but just doesn't present, but which was, made me shake really badly when I was a kid. It's called benign intention tremor. So by the time I was 11, I couldn't get a teaspoon of sugar into a cup of tea. My hands would shake so badly. It's hereditary, isn't it? That's a, that's a hereditary disease, isn't it? Or? It's hereditary. My uncle has it, yeah. yeah. How's your uncle and, dealing um, with it? Is it similar? Uh, so, you know, my uncle is still very visible in him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when I was 11, uh, it was very visible in me. Mm. He went to, you know, to seek out kind of anything we can do mm. about it. And, you know, met a doctor who said, well, it's an untreatable disease theoretically, but there's this thing called meditation we've heard of that, that might help with it. Mm. And so he came back and gave me some tapes, you know, and I started meditating every day. And that's how I got into it. And it completely transformed my, my shaking, I stopped shaking and I should have, should, you know, by rights be shaking all the time. Isn't and, that crazy? The power of the brain. Yeah. It's the power of the brain. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that transformed, that's how I, you know, got into it to start with. And then the breath work, you know, again, really quick way of transforming your physiological state. Um, uh, 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 and hypnosis, you know, was I got into through having depression and that being my way out of there. So all of these things are things that work for me in my life. And so, you know, I'm just really proud and honored that I'm able to share them with other people and that they're having a positive effect. You know, we're not going to get everything right mm. in the first, but people are responding well. Is there anything else that we should be talking about that we haven't talked about? Hmm. Maybe why in Canada, ice hockey fights are allowed to go on for as long as they <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. Nothing to do with what we've been talking about. I always wonder that. 
Because they just don't stop them. They don't seem to stop them. Or they, do they stop them at some point? Or? Yeah, no. They, yeah, so, yeah, it, I think my son was watching some on YouTube the other day. You know, it's kind of, I think the rules are if they hit the ground, okay, it's stopped. But until then, you go. It, I've got it right. Until they hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's an unpopular opinion, I'm sure. Like you mentioned earlier about men, they can only, uh, generally speaking, the emotion that they're encouraged to share is anger. That's right. And there's some people who would say that mixed martial, mixed martial arts and jujitsu is just a yeah. uh, legitimizing male touching where women, it's okay for them to hug and interact yeah. and they'll do their hair. This is a way that men can interact because, and I know I'll catch a lot of heat from some people who are right into it, <laughs> but they say, hey, the big draw for some people aside from the fact that, you know, it's good physical conditioning, mental conditioning, you get uh, some skills you can take away to be a protector, but you're forming social bonds with other men in a way that would not be socially acceptable outside of that. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I think that, um, you know, so I know a few people who do MMA, I think they probably, probably agree mm. that that brotherhood, if you like, right. is, is very strong. There's a lot of respect in that community. Mm -hmm. You don't get, you know, it's, it, it, you tend not to get people with big egos, you know. It's kind of like, you know, okay, you know, top performers maybe. <laughs> but, you know, in general, mm. the guys who are doing it, yeah, the, you know, there's a community there. They feel really passionate about it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I know somebody who who's a, an ex-alcoholic who, you know, just went to, you know, afterwards kind of just went to AA meetings and MMA classes. Mm. <laughs> that's where he got his community from. That's where he kind of, do you know what I mean? Mm. That's where he got his strength from. Both of those are communities, you know. Very much so. so yeah, so there's, so, so yeah. Yeah, I think maybe there's something in that. Well, I'm going to put some links up to the app and uh, make sure people have information to the things that were talked about in here. Uh, Neil, Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Silver uh, Podcast. I really enjoy getting to know you better. I have too, Travis. Myself and you. I, <laughs> <say>. <laughs> I love it. No, it's, been, it's been a delight. You've been a great host. So I'm going to retreat into my evening and you're going to get on with your morning. Yeah, that's yeah? exactly it. Loved it. Thank you so much.